When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into the mayor back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. There is a ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la bonne place, ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le match troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Wednesday, November 23rd. It is one minute past 10 p.m. How's everyone doing? The Montreal Canadiens go to Columbus, and we only heard the cannon once off a Columbus goal, and I think you actually hear it before the game starts, but... Uh, it could have been a lot worse because it was just over, what, one week ago or less than a week ago um, that the, the Montreal Canadiens gave up six goals to the Columbus Blue Jackets in a 6-4 loss. And six nights later, the Canadians avenged that loss with a 3-1 win in Columbus as one very good-looking uh, gentleman with black curly hair and bluish-green eyes predicted earlier this morning that the Canadians would play a much more responsible game, a much more defensive game. They would be there to help out Samuel Montembeau, and they would prevail. Call it a gut feeling. All I know is if I would have put money on it, the exact opposite would have happened, and I would have been wrong. But because I didn't, I was right. I am Marinaro, and I want to thank all of you who reached out to me today because, of course, today is a very special day for myself for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's my birthday. Number two, I uh, joined uh, a prestigious club today, and that is the 50s club, because I am the big 5-0. Where is the time gone? I have absolutely no idea. I remember being in elementary school and playing soccer at recess like it was yesterday, and today I'm 50. So 
if you're younger than me, lucky you and enjoy it because time flies when you're having fun. And uh, at the same time, as much as I'm a little bit disappointed about entering this club, that a lot of people who are in this club are trying to console me and tell me that 50s is the new 30s. Well, I also thank God that I was able to make it to my 50th birthday because not everyone is this fortunate. So um, for those who lost loved ones uh, younger than this age, my thoughts are with you. But once again, thank you. Uh, I feel the love every day doing what I'm blessed to be doing. I love my job. Everyone knows that. Um, I loved talking on the radio. I still love talking on the radio. I love doing my thing on television. And I really love the sick podcast, but uh, I don't know what it was. Maybe because uh, more of the francophones were introduced to me and got familiar with me over the last four or five months. But today I got so many messages that to tell you the truth, I wasn't able to respond to all of them. I'm probably going to stay up all night or maybe even uh, we'll have to respond tomorrow. But I was just telling some family and friends who came over tonight and watched the game with me. As we had a little birthday cake, uh, and I thank uh, Patricia LaSalle and Natalie and Dario right here in Villa Salle on Newman Street that um, I probably received about a thousand messages on all social media platforms today and probably got back to about half of them. So I still have a lot of work to do. So once again, thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. I really felt the love today and it really, really made me feel good. A lot of you reached out and, and told me that you like my work and I put a smile on your face and that is the big, big payoff for me. So thank you. I um, I enjoyed my day today. It got started uh, at around seven o'clock this morning um, and uh, I made my way to BPM Sports where I'm on with Jean Charles on the radio. The show is called Premier Contar. It goes from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., 91.9 on your FM dial in Montreal, and I'm on air with John Chal Monday through Friday at around 8.05 a.m. So I made my way there, and um, I was uh, in studio with him for my collab today and uh, surprised all of them with a Kitchen 73 food truck. So thank you to Carmen and Rocco. And uh, so we had a real good time there, stayed there for quite a bit, uh, went out with my wife, ran a few errands, got back, um, went to La Cage La Salle at around 1.45 this afternoon to get ready for Canada's game versus Belgium at the World Cup, which started at 2 o'clock. Met up with um, Mike and Sean and Dave from Energy Transportation Group. We were together. We watched the game together. We had a great time. Unfortunately, it wasn't the result that we wanted, but I thought Canada played an excellent, excellent game today, and I think there's a lot to be proud of. And we'll get to that a little bit later on. Look, folks, um, we talk hockey most of the time. I think everyone knows that. We talk Montreal Canadiens most of the time. It's a podcast that goes on for about an hour. And uh, when the World Cup started, I dedicated about five, six, seven minutes per show to a World Cup report that we call Go for Gold. And uh, some of you just don't like soccer. And uh, for those of you who don't, I mean, I don't want to be mean, but it's too bad. Like, you're not going to dictate what I'm going to talk about or not talk about on the podcast. The podcast doesn't have a rule that it has to be hockey and only hockey, that it has to be Canadians and only Canadians. And quite frankly, if the podcast lasts 60 minutes and I talk Canadians for about 52 or 53, and then I do a soccer report for the last six or seven minutes, well, if you don't want to watch the soccer report, 
I mean, you know what to do, but please, with all due respect, and I love you all, do not send in the chat telling me not to talk soccer today when our Canadians men's national team made it back to the World Cup for the first time in, since 1986. We've never scored a World Cup goal. We had a chance on several occasions to do so today. We had a penalty kick, unfortunately, that was stopped by uh, Thibaut Courtois. But don't tell me not to talk soccer because somebody reached out and the first thing they told me tonight was, please don't talk soccer. And I blocked them and they're never going to come back. And I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Um, We're never going to have a soccer culture. And I know some of you don't care to have one, but I do. If we're not even going to give it a chance, if we're not even going to talk about it, when our Canadians men's national team is playing in a World Cup, I'm already I'm a little bit disappointed that all the schools didn't give the kids the days off, the day off today. If this would have been in another country, most likely they would have. This is how a soccer culture starts. Okay, I like school. I know it's very important. I encourage all of you to go, but today. If you weren't going to be in school for two and a half or three hours, I bet you you were going to learn more being in front of a television set, watching the pregame shows, watching the game with your family and friends, discussing it. I bet you would have learned more if you would have been at home watching the game or at a friend's house watching the game or in a restaurant watching the game or in a cafe watching the game. And I was at Lacage. And this show is brought to you in part by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. Anyway, that's that. I said my piece. And this has started off as a hockey podcast, primarily a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Slowly but surely, it's going to branch out into a little bit more. And you know what? If one day we might go to a two-hour podcast or we might go to a 90-minute podcast, And we'll talk about CF Montreal. We'll talk about the Montreal Alouettes. We'll talk about Champions League. We'll talk about the World Cup or we'll talk about the Euro Cup. But yes, you know, we're always going to have pretty much 75% plus of Montreal Canadiens for you. So without further ado, let's get to it. Do we have our guy who's going to join us? We do. George Larac is there. I know he's a big soccer fan himself because he used to play growing up. How you doing, big George? Awesome, Tony. And happy 50th birthday, by the way. It was an Thank awesome you, gesture you did. It's an awesome gesture you did for everybody at the station today, bringing the food truck on your birthday. When you're supposed to get spoiled, you spoiled everyone. So you showed the heart that you have once again. Uh, thank you very much, George. I appreciate that. You know, it's uh, I'm not going to take any credit for anything. I got some great <laughs> friends uh, over at Kitchen 73, but I will tell you this. I've, I've always been one uh, who likes to give more than I like to receive. I, I, I love to receive. There's no doubt about it for sure. I mean, I've received some pretty nice gifts and gestures in my life, so I appreciate those. I like making people smile, and the one way you can is with food. At least it always does it for me, and it did for some others today, which was kind of cool. So let me get this straight. Arbor Jack guy doesn't win his fight the other night, but Arbor Jack guy scores a big goal tonight, and uh, he was a healthy scratch last night versus the Buffalo Sabres. The Canadians go to Columbus tonight. They win 3-1. Some unusual suspects are your heroes and catalysts in tonight's game. Jack Guy gets a goal that ties it at one. 
David Savard off his skate makes it 2-1, two defensemen scoring. And with just under two minutes to go in regulation, Sean Monaghan in an empty net makes it 3-1. But George Jackye has this gift of being able to release the puck quickly and just getting a wrist shot on net through traffic. And that's a couple of goals he scored now this season. You know, there's another D-man like this in NHL that is known for doing that all the time. It's Brent Burns. And uh, when I'm watching all our D missing the net with those one-timers, hitting the glass, and the puck is going all the way around, coming out of the zone, Jack is doing it simply. Wrist shot. He's putting at the net. Because every time you put the puck in net, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe the goalie will be screened. He's, he's making simple plays. Sometimes doing too much is not the right thing. And just the way that he is right now, like he was out in lineup, he's back in. You know, it's going to be tough because we know that, you know, you look at the young demon corp with Goulet, Harris, and Jack High, mm-hmm. Kovacevic. Kovacevic, the thing is, is because he's a righty. We need righties in lineup. But Harris shouldn't be out of the lineup. He should be playing every game. Jack High should be playing every game because he brings the dimension that this team needs. And, you know, Goulet too. So, so because of that, it's tough because you want to do this rotation. That's what they're doing right now with all the young D. But, you know, it's wrong. Jack has to be in the lineup. So is Harris. So is Goulet. And you need right-handed defensemen. So uh, I don't think it's a good idea to do this rotation till the end of the year. I don't know what they're going to do with that. But one thing for sure, Jack I scored an important goal to help the team win tonight. You can't take him out of the lineup. And but, but who you are you, put, uh, and you and you got to put Harris back on. So I don't know what they're gonna do. You know, obviously the easy choice is take Kovacevic out, but he's a right D man. So it, it, it's it's a tough position for the Montreal Canadian right now. Yeah, but George, at the same time, you know the way hockey management teams think. They don't want to have just all young players there, right? So they want to have some veterans to insulate the young players. So for example. Uh, unless they're traded away, Matheson, Savard, and Edmondson will always be in the lineup, correct? So there you have three. And then, of course, you have Caden Gooley, you have Kovacevic, you have Harris, you have Jackye. That's already seven. Weidman <laughs> is number eight, and I get it. Weidman, he's already hit his ceiling. Whether he plays or he doesn't play, it's not like he's going to get better or he's going to get worse. So he's a guy who can skip his spot more often than not. But what are you suggesting, George? Are you suggesting that Weidman and Kovacevic sit all the time? or No, well, you know, Kovacevic is good too, and he's a righty. And this guy, for sure, if you put him through waivers, someone's going to pick him up. So, you know, I just think that, you know, as much as we love Madison and Minson and Savard, you got to get rid of one of them. Because I would let the young kids play, you know, and you you should want that too because it's a transition year. They're rebuilding, and Madison was gone for a long time, and Montreal did a pretty good job with those young demon out there that surprised yeah. us. Not for not for five games, for over fifteen games. So you know, I understand like you, you need a good group of veteran around the young kids, but I think two of them with those young kids that are so mature right now, what they've shown so far. That's what I would do, but it doesn't look well, like look, the George, team is going to do the that. Way, it, it, the way I see it, I think their plan is that between Edmondson and Savard, one will be traded this year before the deadline. 
and one will be traded next year before the deadline. I mean, I wouldn't yeah, be shocked if they traded them both, but I think the realistic thing to do is that they'll trade one before the deadline this year, try and get another first-round pick in 2023. They'll trade one next year, try and get a first-round pick in 2024. They got it for Ben Sherratt, and I believe they would be able to get it for those two defensemen as well. That's the way I think it's going to go down, George. But, you know, the Canadians are subject of criticism over the last little while, George, not from me, because I've thought it was pretty entertaining hockey. There's no doubt that last night, they didn't show up. I mean, that was obvious. Two and a half minutes into the game, you knew the Canadians weren't there last night. But they gave up seven to Buffalo in a 7-2 loss. On Saturday night, they came back to win 5-4 in a shootout. They lost a couple of they lost the game before that, a couple of nights before that, 6-4 in Columbus. Lost a couple of nights before that, 5-1 to the New Jersey Devils. They beat the Penguins 5-4 in overtime. But this is a team that was scoring a lot of goals and giving up a lot of goals. They gave up way too many goals and way too many scoring chances last night versus Buffalo. And a lot of people were saying, okay, you know what? It's great to play offense, but there's no commitment to defense. There's no team defense. They look disorganized. They don't know how to play. And I thought that Marty St. Louis would give them a speech, George, and say, okay, guys, we got to play better defensive hockey now. No, I'm not so sure if he did or he didn't, but they did, George. They played much better defensive hockey tonight. Well, first of all, one thing we have to realize is that in an, in 82 games in a season, it's going to happen sometimes that nothing is working, and it's a very bad game. Every team goes through that. So, you know, there's, no, there's not much to look at this last game. It was bad. Everyone was bad, and momentum and anything, you know, you show that out. You have back-to-back games, and the second game you had a chance to, to, to do better. And, you know, I like the way that the team responded today. And I think also it's time to really considering if we want to give more games to Montembeau because Jake Allen's been good, but I think that over the time and over the years, even though he, uh, he did in the past uh, play a big role as being a number one goalie, I think that if you give him too many games, he's going to get tired and he's going to get a tough game like he did last night. Montembeau's hungry. He's younger. He wants to be part of the two tandems for Montreal for the future, whether it's going to be as a number one or number two, or if a split responsibility. But I think it's time to give him more games in a row to see what he could do. Because uh, if we're starting to overload uh, Jake Allen, I think that we, he could be prone to more injuries. And then if we do so, uh, I don't think it's a good idea to call Primo to back up yeah. uh, uh, Montalbo I- yet. I don't have a problem with what you're saying. As a matter of fact, I think that Montalbo deserves it. He's been battling. He had a bad game in Columbus last week. He really bounced back nicely tonight. Stopped a couple of players in all alone. And Jake Allen has hit his ceiling. Everyone knows 10 years in the National Hockey League, he is what he is. Montembeau hasn't hurt his ceiling. If you take a look at George where Montembeau is now, compared to a year ago, I'm going to say he's a much better goalie. So who's to say how good he could be if he plays even more one year from now? I totally agree with you. If they, even without saying it, kind of make Montembeau their number one, and we would know that if they would play him more than Allen, it would be their way of saying it, I would be okay with it because the way we're wanting the young players to play on defense so they can get minutes and get better, the same thing goes for Montembeau. He's not as young as them, but he still has a ceiling, in my opinion, that he hasn't hit yet. 
And people have to realize that last year when he played, he was hurt. He needed surgery. So he played hurt because to help the team because there was no other goalies. So what you saw last year, what he did uh, to finish the year with the team, uh, he wasn't 100% and he was still good. So now we see him at 100% this year. He's getting accustomed to what he has to do. And he's doing pretty good. Uh, and I think he's playing above expectations so far. And, and tonight's game, if it's not for those two breakaways in a row that he stops, uh, yeah. maybe Montreal doesn't win this game because there was some great, like some great quality chance, you know, from the jacket. And he shut the door. He looked really calm, in control, uh, out there. He gave his team a chance to win because, you know, until yeah. the third, you know, when Jack I scored, you know, it didn't look like any offensive. Like we are get, we weren't getting goals from anywhere. So even if they lost one nothing he would have had a star. But today, he had a big thing to say in this win. The uh, Sick Podcast brought to you in part by 8.6 Beer. Intense, like Big George Larac by nature. The beer for those <laughs> who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And also, by Energy Transportation Group. I talked to you about them. I spent the day with them today. Great group of guys. It's a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. Sean Gerard and Mike Cinquino. Hello, gentlemen. All right, okay. There's a comment on YouTube from a gentleman uh, who goes under the name of uh, Folding Donut or something, who says, come on, guys, these guys are not the answer. Montembeau and Allen are not the answer. George, we're not saying that they're the answer. And he says, who are you kidding? We're not saying they're the answer, and we're not kidding anybody. They are who the Montreal Canadiens have in goal right now, and all we're saying is Montembeau should be playing more. Look, big George Larac, George, correct me if I'm wrong. You don't believe they're going to make the playoffs, do you? No, 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 no. I don't think they're no. going to make the playoffs. And just I don't believe that, they're going to make the playoffs I, either. So, I, I think they'll play for five, like close to 500, um, and that's that's really good. That's a big improvement from finishing last last year. And as for goalies. Uh, even the team knows they don't have a clear number one goalie. And Allen is not going to be the goalie of the future when this team's going to start to win in two, three years. What I'm saying, though, is with Montambo, is giving himself a chance to be in a discussion, to be part of a future tandem for the Montreal Canadiens. I'm not saying he would be a number one. I think he could work himself at least as a number two if he keeps going the way that he is. But if he's not, we'll see because... This play is going to dictate that. But the team knows that in two, three years, if you want to win, you need to have a really number one goalie. And I'm not saying that it is now, but I'm not saying that, you know, Montembeau has no chance to get there because goalie, you need to get older, to get mature with age, to get better. And maybe he's starting to hit his stride. All right. Uh, there's uh, another texter who says uh, the big line hasn't scored in a while now. Cole Caulfield had a goal last game. It's just that, uh, you know, versus Buffalo last night, he scored a goal. How quickly people forget. And, of course, Cole Caulfield had a couple of goals versus the Philadelphia Flyers. So uh, the big line is fine. George, they're not going to score all the time. Tonight, the Canadians needed to get two goals from defensemen to win the game. I mean, there's no player in the well, National Hockey League who scores every game. Okay, so just so people understand, okay, I know that we've been talking about a lot about this duo of Suzuki and Caulfield and how good they were. 
and we compared them to some other great duos in the NHL and mm-hmm. how they're, they were they were on pace to get 100 points and now they're on pace to get a point a game and all these things. Come on. It's, the NHL is, re, is, the, is the hardest league in the world. And just so you guys know, one Chris, one, after Christmas, when hockey gets more physical, games get tighter, it's even tougher to get points. If For Suzuki... Sure. If Suzuki could do 75 points and Colfield 65 points this year, it's going to be a success. So it's normal that some games, they won't be on the sheets. But you know what? Suzuki could get close to a point a game and, and Caulfield, like, get 30 goals, uh, 35 goals, 30 goals, 60 points. It'll be tremendous. It'll be amazing because we know that the development, the development is very good. But don't expect them to have a point every game because, yeah. you know, they're getting more and more mature. They're getting better. But guys, don't be too greedy uh, because they're getting there. But don't expect things right away to like yeah. to work every single game. Because uh, I have news for you, as you guys should know, every game you you shut down the number one line, and then you yeah. can win because there's not enough offense from anyone else. So the best defensive player are playing against them every game, night in, night out. So sometimes they'll get shut down. It is normal. It's just that what's unfortunate. And that there's not enough production from all the other lines. Yeah. And look, you know, one of the things when you talk about being shut down, right, of course, is that when they play on the road, they don't have the last line change. So the other teams will be able to get their shutdown line up against Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. And that's why you're seeing that Cole Caulfield obviously scores a lot more goals at home than he does on the road. On another note, you talked about them both being young. I mean, Nick Suzuki's 23 years old. Cole Caulfield's 21 years old. George, you know this. Hockey players don't enter their prime until like age 26 or 27. Once these guys enter their prime, which in Suzuki is going to be probably in about three or four years from now, and Caulfield in about five or six years from now, they're going to be absolutely unbelievable. And a shout-out to sportbuffshop.com because you can shop all your sports licensed lifestyle apparel, including hoodies of your favorite teams, caps, T-shirts of your favorite teams, all major leagues, as well as our sick merchandise at sportbuffshop.com. Use code SICK10 for 10% off on all of their items. Tonight I'm wearing my passion and energy because, yeah, it was not the most energizing game, but the Canadians... Uh, had passion in their game plan tonight for sure, and they come out with a 3-1 win. All right, okay. Um, let's talk about the uh, Slavkovsky. What did you think? We've been wanting him to get more ice time. Uh, tonight, he gets an assist on the goal for Arbor Jackeye. Evans gets the other assist. Slavkovsky played 10 minutes and 20. It was a drop-off of four minutes compared to a couple of nights ago where a couple of nights ago he was promoted to play on the line with Gallagher and Dvorak. Tonight there was a little bit of a demotion and less minutes. What did you think? Invisible the last two games. Um, and it's, and you know what? Um, I, I understand what the team is trying to do with him. But you know what? At some point you have to think about his development. This guy dominates everywhere that he's been, and I think it's affecting his confidence. Last game, he got an opportunity to play in the second line, and then we tried it out, and he was invincible. So, you know you know what I would even do, and, and I doubt that the team was going to do that, but I would send him to the World Juniors. Send him to the World Junior, be the best player out there, get some confidence back, and then bring him back and see what's going to happen. Look what they're doing, uh, and, and I'm not saying that it's the same situation, but 
you look at Seattle, what they're doing with, with Shane Wright, right? Now he's playing in the American Hockey League. He scored his yes. first goal. Um, you know, you need to put this guy in a position so they could have success. And right now, with 10 minutes, again, no power play time, you're affecting his confidence. And I'm not sure if his development is the best thing to do because he has to play. He has to play in all situations. You're he talking about a guy play. that played George, all- he played on the He played on the power play tonight. He had two minutes and 13 seconds on the power play. And I thought, you know, he was more visible on the power play. But I understand your point. He's not picking up enough points for you. He's not scoring enough goals for you anyway. Yeah, but, 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 not just, but not just that. He's not carrying the puck. He's not playing like we... W- the highlights of him, what we've seen before, the guy attacking the net, making plays, having the puck, we don't see that anymore. We don't, like, power plays, you know, you get the all point there and there and second pass and, and a goal or whatever, but... He's not controlling the play like we know that he can. And this is all about confidence. And to do that, you have to put him in a position that he plays more and more so he get this back. Because I don't think that, Tony, if he plays all year, those 10 minutes a game like this, I'm not sure about next year how much better it's going to be if it's what we do all year with him. And I don't think that give him 15 or 20 minutes is going to make him better also because he's not ready to get there yet. Yeah, look, uh, I said something at the beginning of the year where I thought he put on too much weight, too fast, too soon. Some people disagreed because they took a look at some highlights, broke down a few seconds here and a few seconds there and said, look, he looks fast. He doesn't look, he doesn't look fast to me. I don't think that's his playing weight. He doesn't. Look, I think he put on too much weight. Yeah, that, see, that's uh, that, that I couldn't know because would have to see like how much he weighed last year, the way that he played. But, you know, everything do body fat, right? At training camp. So I yeah. doubt that he's fat. But uh, you know, that that's a good question because we'd have to compare and look. But whether whether but even if it was lighter, Tony, the way that he's playing is lacking confidence because he doesn't have that hunger that we saw before, like when he's getting the net. He's a big guy. He should like try to go to the net all the time and use his body and be more aggressive. He doesn't have that yet, and he's going to have to be. When you're a big guy like that, you have to make it harder for the other Ds to try to stop you, and he's not doing that yet. You think it'll change if he plays with Monahan, or you think that the show is just too much too soon and he shouldn't be here? Not well, yet, anyway. First, and, you know, when you look at the lines uh, also, it's so hard because uh, other than the top one line, you look at the, all the other lines, we do yo-yo with all the lines to be in a search to find the perfect second. Even put Dadunov back there. I don't know what Dadunov is doing on the ice other than circling around and skating. Uh, I don't know. And I know the team is working so much to raise its value to hopefully get something in return at the trade deadline. I don't see any team that's going to look at him uh, the way that he turns around and they're going to think that, you know, that would be a great addition uh, to win the Stanley Cup because I don't know what he's doing on the ice, but that's another question. We'll talk about the veteran. But as for Slavkovsky, man, he has to play much more. He has to be put in a position where he's going to dominate because, you know what, we, you know, next year, we don't want to have to start having talks about the fact that we should have sent him down, we should have done this, because then it's going to be too late. And look at Kakinemi, best example of that. You know, it's a disaster in Carolina. And it's because we didn't want to send him back home to play another year in, uh, in his own country. And now this year, man, 
like Carolina, they don't know what to do with him. Uh, so he's George Larac, and I'm Marin Aaron. Of course we are, and you're watching the Sick Podcast. And we're going to get to your calls a little, li- little bit later on at one triple eight five eight five sick What's one triple eight five eight five seven four two five? The Montreal Canadiens will be off tomorrow, and then on Friday they're going to be in Chicago. And note the special time, of course. Tomorrow is going to be Thanksgiving Thursday in the United States, so note the special time on Friday is going to be 2 p.m. Eastern. And by the way, this podcast, although I'm the one hosting it, I believe it belongs to you, the people, you, the Sick Army. So I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios and tell me what you think, okay? Either, as you know, we go on Monday to Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern, and Matt O'Han joins you on Friday night. So my question to you is, Will you be watching if I go on right after the Canadians and the Blackhawks game and go on at around 4.30 p.m. or 5 p.m. on Friday, or do you want to wait until 10 p.m.? Or we can actually do two podcasts, by the way. I can go on right after the game, and I can talk Habs, and then Matt O'Han can come back later at night, and he could talk about NFL and the games on Thursday and the upcoming games on the weekend. And he can also talk to you about the World Cup of Soccer. So you let me know what you think. Comment on YouTube. Comment on Facebook. Comment on Twitter. And I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you want me to go on right after the game, I'll go on right after the game. But I need to know that you'll be watching. I know that some of you will be at work. So it might be difficult for you at that time. But if you want to do two podcasts, I'll do one. Matt O'Hane will do later on at night. And we'll do the two podcasts for you. Okay, I want to get back to the game and um, Kirby Doc. What do you think? Three shots on goal. Okay, so two hits in this hockey you know, game. He's got an assist on the David Savard goal. I thought he was involved. You know, this is goes back again to how people are so impatient in Montreal. He was clicking. Uh, we were like so happy that we find the right spot for him. He's at his right place. In the, uh, playing on the wing with Suzuki and Caulfield. Production is slower than uh, the pace that he had a couple games ago when he joined them, and it's okay, and it's normal, and it's fine. Again, relax, everyone, um, because he is at his place with these two guys, and I don't see anyone playing there with them. He's fast, he's big, he gives him some rooms. So, you know, offense is going to come. Uh, he's going to come back. He's okay, so do not panic. And uh, everything is going to be okay. We don't all of a sudden change everything. We won. We won. So they come out of that slump. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, the number one line will be more productive than shut down uh, in, in the next up, up, upcoming game. A shout out to Sammy and Yellow back at Master Control. Gentlemen, if you guys have the starting lineup for the Canadians, please put it up right now. Here we go. Suzuki with Caulfield on the left and Doc on the right. Dvorak with Gallagher. And Dadonov was now on the left side. Monaghan, Anderson, and Armia. And Evan Slavkowski and Pizzetta. On defense, Matheson, Savard, Edmondson, Gouli, Jacka, and Kovacevic. And, of course, it was Samuel Montembeau in goal. Let's keep it up for a couple of minutes if we can. George, that fourth line, Evans, Slavkowski, and Pizzetta. You've been a part of a fourth line. It's usually a hard-hitting line. It's usually a line that gives energy to a team 
that can try and change the momentum of a hockey game. This does not look like a prototypical fourth line in the National Hockey League. And is it me? Uh, and I know that Michael Pozzetta's talent is limited, with all due respect to him. But is it me, or did he have a much bigger impact a year ago, George? Well, first of all, he's playing with different players all the time, so he does not think to have chemistry. Also, Evans, uh, as courageous as he is, every time he plays, I'm afraid of him getting a concussion because he exposed himself so much. And he's not, and, and you know, he skates well, but we need some production from him. The guy doesn't, he has an assist tonight, but he doesn't do enough. You know, he has to be enlightened, is like help his teammates, but he's not a fourth line player that the way that he plays. As Slavkovsky for his development, playing a fourth line. Oh, somebody has just explain to me that, okay, even though he's not ready for top minutes in the NHL, uh, Dadanov in the second line is left asking the fourth that I don't understand it. And his style. Well, they're going to try and get Dadanov points. They're going to try and get Dadanov's points so they can get something for him, George. It's been 20 games. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. When are they going to give up? Because they're stuck with him. Nobody's going to touch him. Do you think that the other teams are blind and they don't see what we see? Do you think another team is going to be like, oh, Montreal, they're not. They're not playing that enough. We would be. Oh, we really want him to play in their top six. We need him. He's our missing piece to get more goals. Come on. I, I agree with it's you, but him. up until three or four weeks ago, uh, Mike Hoffman wasn't scoring either, and then all of a sudden, he scored four in a three-game span, okay? So, I mean, you never know. But, but it's get not, For the most part, listen, I agree with you. But you remember, uh, you can't compare Hoffman and that enough. Awesome. Hoffman is not the same. Like, the way that he played, the poise he has to the puck, the way that he plays, uh, I, I, I remember the uh, the last month uh, I was looking at the analytics because Montreal is really high on analytics. Yeah. And uh, Offman, Offman uh, like of all the players, the players, the team scores more goals when he's on the ice. He has the, he had the most like chance of scoring with him on the ice. Like the analytics were in favor of Offman, like the way that the team is offensively, like there's a couple of things that come out with him that were really good. But with Dadanov, it was just, he's like a ghost. George, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Before we let you go, last one here. Uh, I mean, Michael Pizzetta, I don't want to see him fight anymore. Like, I just, he's, he's got, you know, well, he's got a lot of heart, but he's just. Well, he was at the end of a shift, too. You know, he did a big hit. He was at the end of the shift. The guy dropped the glove. When you haven't played for a long time like this, you know, you don't want to, you want to oblige, you want to, you don't want to refuse him. So he did, he was gassed already before he came in against a really big guy. And you know what? He did his job. You know, as a fourth line player, it's frustrating because he doesn't play enough. He's trying to get back into rhythm and then he get in, big hit, got into a fight. And yet, yeah, things not always going to go the way that you want when you get into a fight, but what's important is to show up. And he did. But again, if you want to write a, a, a perfect fourth line, uh, you gotta get you gotta get four guys to play together uh, a lot, and also get guys to play his style, dump and chase and banging guys, not playing with Slavkovsky and, and Evans. They're not. You play against fourth line, another team, the energy line. It's a disadvantage. You know, you're yeah. only banging guys on this line, and the other two guys are finesse players. So. 
It doesn't work. George, once again, I know you like to go to bed early, so the fact that I kept you up until 10.38 p.m. means a lot to me. Thank you for doing it. And I wasn't used to seeing you uh, dressed and without a pillow and without lying on a bed, but uh, it was good tonight. We'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Thanks, awesome, man. Awesome, brother. All right, Happy there birthday. you have it. George Larac. I love this guy. There you have it. Uh, it's now time for us to take some calls. You called. Presented by Playground. I Playground, your premier gaming destination located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. So a lot of you want to weigh in on tonight's game. I'm going to give you the number. It's one 585 sick it's one 585 7425 In the meantime, I'll tell you that if you like the Sick Podcast, well, give it a thumbs up and give it a like on YouTube. You can like it on Facebook, and you can like it on Twitter. Tell your friends about it. And if you're going to listen to the Sick Podcast via Google, Apple, or Spotify, leave us a five-star review. We definitely really, really appreciate it. It's our way of being able to feel the love. And we'll get to your calls, one 585 7425 and in the meantime, while they come in, we will get to some of your comments. And Sammy and Yellow back at Master Control. Either put up the comments or put up the calls. Let's go. We have Martin in Montreal. Hello, Martin. Martin, are you there? Hey, hi, Tony. Comment ça va? Ah, ça va bien, ça va bien, ça va bien. I'm super ça glad. va bien. Même quand il pleut. Le soleil me tend la main, ça va bien. Uh, so, uh, big time of the show. It's the very 10 p.m. soon enough. Um, so, I wanted to talk about the Canadians. I think we're we're going to be some in the, this kind of a limbo for uh, until the trade deadline. We're just going to have to uh, bite on it and wait because... Uh, not, we're gonna win some. Hopefully, we're gonna lose more. We're gonna lose more as as the season goes. So I think it's just part of the process. But for now, it's gonna be that kind of a limbo with all sorts of, of players who's not part of the future of this team. So it is what it is. Martin, there's different schools of thought on this. The Canadians, Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes, Marty St. Louis, they believe that winning is getting better. They believe that winning is progressing, not necessarily winning games, which will end up coming and end up being a byproduct of getting better and progressing eventually. But my question to you is this win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. And George Larac says they'll probably finish the season 500. And that's exactly what it would be if you win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Is it a good place to be in, in your opinion, or... Do you think it's no man's land? Because me, I think it's no man's land. Yeah, I fear the no man's land as well, but I think nature will take its course and we're not going to keep winning like that. Like, it's fun to see. It's fun to cheer for a winning team. But I think, like, we're going to start losing a little bit more as the team tights up for the playoffs and uh, the management will make the right calls at that moment because at that moment it would make sense to start uh, getting off some dead weight. So I think, it, you know, like we all know, it's gonna, we predict it's going to go. It's going to go like that, but we, we just, it's like we, we can't wait for it, so we, we're kind of uh, in this limbo. But uh, it's going to take its course. We're going to start losing. We're going to start letting guys go. And uh, I can't wait to see who's going to fill those spots. 
Thank you so much for your call. Very much appreciated. Senator Heiss says, I agree, Tony. It is no man's land. Kelly says, Tony, do you think the Habs have a good chance versus Chicago? I do. And I think that's going to be a game where you're going to see some goals and it's going to be more wide open. It sounds too much like Mark Bergevin's plan of retooling. Uh, No, I don't think it is. This is clearly a different kind of plan. Mark Fidanza says some players need to go. It's an organic tank. That's exactly what happened a year ago, and it's exactly the way it's going to go down this year. The only problem is, is that a year ago, by the time they got to the trade deadline, they hadn't won too many games. This way, they're a much more competitive team, and by the time they get to the trade deadline, Dilla picked up more points in the standings. Hi, Tony. I agree, especially if Mrazek is in net. Tom Crouchman says, you have no solution for the no-man's finish? I do. It's very, very easy. If you don't want to be in no-man's land, (laughs) you give the majority of your ice time to players that give you a less chance to win. That's how you can organically control it if you're not going to trade players. I know it's not a popular thing to do or an easy thing to do, but sometimes drastic times call for drastic measures. Um, Tony, thoughts on Arbor Jack Eye tonight? I like them. I like them. And I thought there was a little bit of a subliminal message. There were a little bit of a, a message from God or whatever it was that uh, without 72 in the lineup last night, the Montreal Canadiens lost by a score of 7-2. to two. That was a message that they need 72 in the lineup. And one night later, he's in and he ends up scoring the game-tying goal. Good for him. Back to the phone calls we go. We got Gary in Montreal. Yeah. Gary, how are you? I'm all right. You? Very good. Thank you. What's on your mind? Yeah, I want to talk about three Canadian players. And if you give me uh, some time, Pacioretty, uh, Slavskoski, and uh, Owen Beck. So let's start with uh, Pacioretty, okay? We heard Uh everything that the the guy said about it when he left. And I I remember when Pacioretty was playing for the Canadians. He was captain his last two years. Me and my brother-in-law were watching the game once, and there was a, a defenseman taking a shot. He was right in front of it, and he just, like, moved away. That just tells you exactly the kind of guy he was because he wouldn't go all out for the team. It was always about him, and he was like, to me, he was like Pierre Turgeon. He was like a guy who can produce in numbers, but not when you really need it. And he was like a tin man with no heart because he never had any heart. And he was definitely the worst captain probably that they ever had. Yeah. Many thought he was a perimeter player and that he could have been a much more effective NHL or if he would have gone to the dirty areas or crashed the net a little bit more. He was not that kind of player, but we can't take away what he still was able to bring. We're talking about a guy who scored 30 goals, 33 goals, 35 goals, 37 goals, 39 goals. That's nothing to spit at, you know, at a time when no. it was not easy to score goals in the National Hockey League. He is who he was. That's why he was traded several times. For and sure. if he would have been that guy that went to those areas and played as tough as you wanted him to play, well, then he was a guy who would not have got traded. So, you know, exactly. Josh Anderson, everyone talks about him as, oh, my God, he could be so good. Well, Columbus traded him because he shows up one in every four. That's it. There's some that's, players that's are like that. That's, you know, you're you're 100 right. That's the problem with Josh Anderson. That's why if it was me, if I was if I was the GM of the Canadians, I would trade him because you can get something good from. Him. There's always like a sucker born every minute in every organization, no matter what sport it is, no matter what business. 
that will say, I'll have this false hope that, oh, maybe the guy will change. You know what? When a guy's been in the league a few years already, the guy don't, people don't change their colors usually. It's very exceptional that some guy's going to all of a sudden turn around and be a different kind of player and a different kind of person. Mm-hmm. You know? The second the player you want to talk guy. about? The second player you yeah. want to talk about? Slavkovsky. You know what? I, I, it's sad for me to say this because, you know, the guy's 18 years old, the young guy, but he's not ready to play in the NHL. It's obvious. I agree with George. It's so obvious. The guy is so confused and scared. He's playing scared, and he's just not very smart. Like, I saw, I, I saw a video of him playing when he was in the top Slovakian league. He got 10 points in 31 games. And this is not the top league in, in Europe, Slovakian league. So I don't know. I don't understand where everybody gets the idea this guy is so great and he's a first overall pick because he had a good tournament in, in juniors and, this, and the Olympics. They didn't have the best players in this Olympics. There was a lot of missing. So you can't. You okay, can't but, you know, hold on a second. What, what league did you say he played in? He played in the top Slovakian league, didn't he? No, he played for TPS Turku in Finland. And picking up okay, ten I points he for the, the the top Slovakian league. Okay. Well, yeah, but, but picking up points in thirty-one games. Yeah, but you know the ten points in thirty-one games for a kid who's seventeen years old playing versus thirty-two-year-old men. It's an accomplishment. You yeah. realize that, right? Yeah. No, it, it is an accomplishment. But when you look at his video, if you ever go to watch his video, he's he's one of the worst passers I've ever seen. When there's guys close to him, when he doesn't have a lot of space. He doesn't. He, he doesn't know where to pass. He, he well, passes. passing passing is not the strength of his game. I wouldn't say that he's one of the worst passers I've ever seen. But look, you know how many players went on to have great careers, but didn't put up big numbers playing in Finland. Once again, when you're playing with men, it's not an easy league to put up points in, and. You know, when you talked about Slavkowski at the World Championships and at the Olympics, you realize that he was the best player at the Olympics at 17 years old, eh? Like, you don't yeah, do no, that by fluke. I, I, I agree. That that was an accomplishment. But you have to remember also that they were, didn't have the best players there. It wasn't the, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Russian team wasn't there. Yeah, but, I mean, I get that. But he's still a you know 17-year-old. Okay, who was the best you know, player at the you know, Olympics? I'm I mean, talk about no, you're right. Though, but I'm going to talk about Owen Beck. Let's make a comparison. Owen Beck is 18 years old. Okay. Okay. Owen Beck. Owen Beck is going to be one of the best two-way hockey players to ever play for the Canadians when he comes up. He's ready to play in the NHL right now. Okay. Yeah. I've seen his videos from last year and this year. Yeah. All his all his goals and assists. Mm-hmm. This guy is so smart, so fast. Even when guys are close to him, he get he's like you don't know how good this guy is. How good? Okay, he's so be. so 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 you're correct. Okay, but you also realize they play different positions, right? Owen Beck is a centerman. A centerman is supposed to play a 200 foot game, and the biggest attributes of a centerman who's going to have success in hockey is to have that IQ, to have that vision. When a guy is six foot four and 238 pounds and he's a winger, his biggest attribute is not supposed to be his vision or his IQ. It's supposed to be his strength, his power, his crashing the net, his going to the net, 
in Slavkovsky's case, the shooting ability because he's got a good shot. Like it's it's different players, different positions, different attributes. Like Owen Beck could end up being that two hundred foot player. It oh, could he end up being oh, a smarter player than Slavkovsky, but it doesn't mean sure. he's going to have a better career. Oh, he will. I, I'm sure well. of it because I mean, this is just my opinion. You could be right. But when I look at how Owen Beck, you know when you can tell a really good player? So why didn't he go number one? A player from an average player? No, you yeah. know how you can tell? Is you can tell by how he gets his goals. Are they, are they easy goals, soft goals, hard goals? You look at every one of Owen Beck's goals, they're hard goals because he does it on his own. He doesn't need someone to pass him the puck. I understand yeah. everything you're saying. And look, in the end, in the end, you might be right. But you realize that 30 teams in the first round passed on Owen Beck. It doesn't mean that he won't be. I made a big. But I understand. But like, so you're saying for certain that you see things that 30 other teams did not. Yeah. There is no team in the National Hockey League that would have drafted Beck ahead of Slavkowski. No team. As a matter of fact, on the 32 teams, about. 27 or 28 of them probably would have dra- drafted Slavkowski at number one. Once again, it doesn't mean yeah, you're you know going to, it, it doesn't okay. mean you're going to be wrong. It just goes to show you okay. though, that drafting, it's not an exact science. It's a very, very oh, yeah. difficult puzzle. It is. But you know what? If you look at, if you look at uh, some of the best players in NHL right now, yeah. Kucherov, right? Kucherov from Tampa Bay. Kucherov. Yes. Talking? Uh, Kucherov was drafted in the 50s. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess uh, 56 or 58 or something like that. Okay, that's that's what I'm telling you. Do you know that there's not that many good scouts in the NHL? You know what the okay, best but... scouts are? The best scouts are from Boston, from Tampa Bay, from St. Louis. That's three amongst the best uh, talent scouting systems in the NHL. Canadians are the worst. They've been the worst for so long. That's why they've been nowhere for the last okay. 20 years. Okay, so how's Cole Caulfield? Oh, that, that's a great pick. But I got to say one thing about at Cole 15. Caulfield. How's Caden Gooley at 16? He's a natural goal scorer. But, but hold on. Listen, this is an FD interesting conversation. Eh? It's an interesting conversation, and I'm enjoying it. And I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am, and I hope that everyone else is enjoying it as well. Having said that, what you did, I'm, I'm telling you right now what you're doing, okay, Gary? Mm. You are making points to support your cause, which is fine, okay? So yeah. you said, look at Kutrov. Where was he drafted? And I said he was drafted 58th, okay? So you said, you see? Right. And he's one of the best players. Okay, so now, hold on a second. Hold on. Let's do, okay. let me let me counter, okay? Let me counter. Mm-hmm. Where was Crosby drafted? Just say one. Number one, of course. Where was Ovechkin drafted? Number one. Just say one, correct. Where was Stamkos drafted? Just say one. One. Where was McKinnon drafted? Just say one. Um, I think one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where was Austin Matthews drafted? Just say one. One. Where was Patrick Kane drafted? I get, I get, I get no, that. but we can, you know, like yeah. uh, we, we can play this I, I, game all day. Like you can give me examples of guys that were drafted mm-hmm. 55th or Petrus Bergeron was drafted 45th who are, you know, maybe the best player of their draft year. But you realize okay. 
that that the yeah. majority, the numbers say that the player yeah. that's going to be drafted first overall, more mm-hmm. often than not, is the best player from that draft year. That's yeah, true. The but numbers me, say that. You're right. No, you're right. But let me say one thing about getting drafted first overall. All these guys that you mentioned had great statistics, had gr- already had great success before they were drafted number one. So, so Savlovsky didn't. He only he had ten. He wasn't the best player when he when he was in Finland. He had ten points in thirty one games. That's nothing to like to to write home to your mother about. So it's like yeah. you know he did but, good in the Olympics. The Olympics is point. not the NHL is not the top is the top league. They were missing a lot of good players in this tournament. So it's it's really it's not like statistics from all these guys that you just mentioned who had yeah. great resumes. Okay, that's a great that's a great point that you brought up, okay? But I'm also going to bring up another great point, okay? He's 18 years old, okay? You know how many points, you know how many points Joe Thornton who picked up points before he was drafted by the Boston Bruins, Joe Thornton had picked up 122 points playing for the Sioux Greyhounds in the OHL, 122, okay? Right, okay. Do you know how many points Joe Thornton picked up in his rookie year in the National Hockey League at 18 years of age? Do you know how many? Yeah, not a lot. He didn't have a good first year. I remember okay, that. do you know how many? I don't know how many, but I know he didn't have a good year. He picked up seven much. points. Slavkowski's got yeah. five in 15 games. In five games from now, Slavkovsky will have mu- as many points as Thornton did or more. Like, we can take the stats and we can take examples and we can make them say whatever we want. I do thank you very much for calling. You sound like a good guy no to me. Problem. Let's take a couple of more calls. Sammy says we got three more. Thank you very much. Let's go. Where are we going, Sammy? Let's go to Jerry and Longueuil. Jerry, comment ça va? Ça va bien, ton toi. Ça va très bien, merci. You know what? Uh, I'm like you, Rod. I was for the full rebuild. Uh, after your uh, great interview you had with Gordon, I think that's pretty much out the window. I think, uh, but at the same time, you know, because if you're going to go that route, and you don't, I, want I don't to- think it's out the window, Jerry. I mean, well, did you expect Jeff Gordon to come on my podcast or on anyone else's podcast and say? We are rebuilding. If they wanted to do that, they would have sent out a letter. They don't want to do that because they, among other reasons, I think, could be ticket sales. But I'm convinced TV the Canadians are rebuilding. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, and and the thing that I don't understand, I mean, uh, contrary to the last caller, I mean, you know me, I like the young guys, and I think – the, my fear, I thought maybe this year there would be a bit of a change. We would be more confident. I mean, I have all the respect for Georges Larac, but he said something that was interesting. You know, he, you know, he was sort of uh, lukewarm about uh, Slav, but he said you have to put him in the right spot. Well, the mm-hmm. Canadians have done what they've done with so many young guys, put him in the wrong spot. He's play. He's playing with uh, Evan. He's playing with uh, Jake. Evan. Where would you, where would you put him, Jerry? Where would you put him? I, here we go. Just before I go there, you know, we talk about production, right? Mm-hmm. 
the fourth line yesterday was Jake Evans, was the great Joel Armia and Pizzetta, okay? And those guys, so far, in 36 games, you know how many points they have, the three of them? Two. And it's Evans, who has two assists. The other one's Nesson. Then you put Dadanov, who has one goal. You got Drouet, has zero goals in 18 mm-hmm. games. And then you add, you know, uh, Dvorak. If you take away his hat trick, he had one goal in 17 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your your bottom three or six are, are, are terrible. So it, you waste the kid by putting them there. I would put him with Monaghan and uh, Anderson. Give him time to learn the league, learn to play. It doesn't matter. He gets 15 points, gets 20 points, gets 25 points. At least he's going to have a guy who knows how to pass the puck. Why? I don't disagree with you, by the way, because I'm going to say something that not everyone shares his opinion, but I'm going to say it anyway. I know a lot of people want Slavkowski to be here, whether it's first line, second line, third line, or even fourth line. They believe the development here is better than it would be at the American Hockey League level, and maybe it is under Marty St. Louis. I just, I understand that Slavkowski is maybe for some people not ready for more minutes because it's not like he's dominating. But for whatever reason, I just don't like Slavkowski on a fourth line because I feel like he feels he has to play the way a fourth liner plays. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Makes total total sense, Tony. So I don't don't like Slavkowski on the fourth line. I don't. If you put him on the second line, you get him ready. I mean, this year, as we know, they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, when you have, like I just said, a bottom six that doesn't produce anything, I mean, you're not going to, you might win a game, lose a game like they're doing now. So give the kid a chance, let him play. Then next year, when Pierre-Luc Dubois shows up, you put him on the same line with Slavkowski, who has one year experience in the league, and Anderson on the right. And then you got a top six that's rocking. You know, you got top six guys. That you know, and it will just get better because they're they're young. The boy's only twenty four; he's going to be twenty five, and I think Canadians should do everything they can to get him here. You know, so I think that would be good. That's how you build a young team for the future. I understand you have to w- try to win every game, but I'm fed up of this patching and hoping and let's make the playoffs and see yeah. what happens. Build yourself a contender that's going to be around for the next seven eight years. And don't lose a kid like Slavikowski. And the other thing, Tony, I want to address is the defensemen. Yeah. Getting more and more afraid. I don't like this juggling act, especially with the young kids. I don't know what they don't like about Jordan Harris. He, okay, he's not a tough guy like say, like uh, Jack Eye. And he's not as big as uh, Gooley. But the kid can skate. And he's an intelligent guy. He's the only plus defenseman so far uh, after, what is it, mm-hmm. games. And he brings something to the table, and I don't understand why we're juggling and we don't juggle. You know that game that they lost 7-2? Yep. Uh, I mean, it wasn't just Jordan Harris's fault. Everybody was terrible. No, and when – and when here's one thing that I like to see. Uh, and so, like, I, I love Marty St. Louis. I think he's the perfect coach for this team at this time. I think he's perfect, all right? The one thing I would like to see is every now and then when things go wrong or they're losing games, whether they're out of it or they're not out of it, um, change the lines up a little bit to try and get a spark. And uh, it's something that uh, we haven't uh, we haven't seen all that much, but we'll see what happens going forward. Jerry, you're one of my favorite callers, and you know that. You have a great night. Thanks for calling me, buddy. You have a nice evening. Merci beaucoup, Jerry. All right, okay, where are we going exactly?
We are going to David in Toronto. David? Yes. How are you? Hey, Tony. I'm, I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Good, thank you. Besides the fact that I entered the 50s club today, which kind of depresses me a little bit, but it's it's better to enter the 50s club than to enter no club at all. You know what I mean? You beat me to it, Tony. The first thing I was going to say is happy birthday, and I hope you had a fantastic day with the family. Thank you. Thank you. I did. Surrounded by friends and family, I had a, I had a great day today. It would have been greater if Canada would have won, but... Yeah. Um, I really like the way Canada played, and I'm going to get to that in just a couple of minutes. Go ahead. Yeah, fantastic. So, Tony, I feel like Montreal uh, missed out on a huge opportunity. Um, you know, I'm in Toronto. Again, I'm a huge Habs fan, born and raised in Montreal. We, we spoke before, but here's the opportunity I think Montreal missed. You know, we have, we're in a transition here, like, like George said earlier, right? And we have a log jam on defense, nonetheless on left defense. We want to give our young guys more ice time, right? Now, look at Toronto, for instance. You know, Dubis is on the chopping block. This is, his, this is maybe his last year as GM, if, you know, things don't work out. Now, Muzzin is out for, you know, indefinitely. Riley goes down for now a couple of weeks. Who knows what's going to happen? I couldn't even tell you the depth chart they have on defense right now in Toronto. What, what an op- I know they traded for Timmons out in Arizona, but mm-hmm. what an opportunity we could have had. Imagine a Joel Edmondson on the Leafs blue line. Imagine that character going into that Toronto dressing room and look at the Leafs record first and foremost. They're I think they just I mean they beat New Jersey tonight. They ended the streak. That's amazing. But look at this. They're eleven five and five. That's like five hundred hockey. They lost five games in overtime. They're playing five hundred hockey right now. So bringing in a character guy like Joel Edmondson, a tough guy that replaces Muzzin's toughness on defense, a guy that can help Sandine and some of these younger defensemen develop as they make this playoff push, but yet want success in the playoffs, Dubis goes out and gets an unproven Timmons out in Arizona to try to replace depth on Toronto's blue line. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Montreal, we're trying to unload left defense to let our young guys play. So I don't know. I just feel like we missed a huge opportunity to put together a package deal. And Toronto has the assets. They have the prospects. And I'm not talking about you know, Nicholas Robertson or Matthew Nyes. I mean, obviously, that's we can all dream. But they have some of these younger guys, like, you know, on defense. They have a Ronnie Hervonen, who was the captain of Finland in the in the IIHF World Championships. Great leadership. Character guy who's young and upcoming. Like, they have prospects. They have assets. So don't you feel like they just missed a huge opportunity to reach out to Toronto and try to get this thing done for them? Uh, no, you want the Canadians to make a deal with Toronto or what is it here? We were going to help Toronto. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Montreal. I think I'm thinking Kent Hughes could have put together a really nice package to unload some of, to unload Edmondson to Toronto. Uh, I, I, you you know, when, you know, when you get the most return for these players, you get the most return right before the deadline or on deadline day. That's when teams become a little bit more desperate to give up a little bit more because they won't be on the hook for less salary, knowing that they'd only have to pay about two paychecks. Thank you so much for taking the time. Sound like a good guy to me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great night. We have uh, what one more call or two more calls. I've been told. 
All right, as we're going a little bit of overtime, but that's okay. Does overtime pay you more on your birthday? Asking for a friend. Sal in Montreal. Sal, what's going on? Hi, Tony. How are you? Good. How are you, Sal? I'm very, very, very good. And uh, happy birthday to you, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 50 years old, eh? Yeah, I was not a great, uh, great host, though, tonight. I had a lot of people over at my house, and I had... Uh, I was like in one room watching the game while the other ones were uh, uh, eating and having a good time. But that's uh, that's what it is. No complaints whatsoever. Thank you. I appreciate it. What's on your mind? Okay. Actually, um, uh, regarding the Habs and all that, usually when they lose, right? When they lose a game, a regular game there, I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm sad for 24 hours until the next day, you know? Okay. And, and with this season, like, if they win, I'm happy, of course, right? So yeah. next year, win or lose, I'm happy. Because if they win, I'm happy. If they lose, we could get Bedard, you know? Of course, so, of course. I feel the same way. It's kind of like a win-win situation this year. I, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And also this morning, it's funny, uh, I knew it was your birthday because uh, I've, maybe, well, I don't know how long it's been, six months or I don't know how many months. I've been listening to your show and uh, congratulations, you're amazing, you know? Thank you. Thank you so much. And, that means a lot to me. And uh, it's funny because this morning uh, I was um, um, I was listening with my mom. Um, he, she wanted to listen to Albano. The, you know, Albano, the Italian singer. And yeah, I of course. It was him that sang Felicita. Yes, Albano Carisi and Romina Power. Senti nell'aria c'è già la nostra canzone d'amore che va come un pensiero che sa di felicità. You want to sing with me or what? Maybe we could be a duet. Well, I'll be Albano. Let's do it. Give me a give me a month, and I'm gonna call back, and we'll sing it together. How's that? Yeah, yeah. You know how the song starts, right? Yes, yes. But I don't. Yeah. I, I gotta get familiar with the words again. Yes, it's okay. Well, listen. It's basically this. Okay. All right, free concert for you. Ready? But you do call back in a month, ready? okay? But I got a, I got a little something for you. Ready? Yeah. Felicità. E tenersi per mano, andare lontano, la felicità. felicità. E il tuo sguardo innocente, in mezzo alla gente, la felicità. felicità. E restare vicini come bambini, la felicità. 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 E un cuscino di piume, l'acqua del fiume che passa e che va. E la pioggia che scende dentro le tende, la felicità. E abbassare la luce per fare pace, la felicità. 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 E un bicchiere di vino con un panino, la felicità. E lasciarti un biglietto dentro il cassetto, la felicità. E a cantare due voci, quanto mi piace la felicità, felicità. Senti nell'aria c'è già la nostra canzone d'amore che va come un pensiero che sa di felicità. Please call back in a month. Thank you very much. Sound like a good guy to me. Sal in Montreal. Take care, Sal. Ciao. Sal, arrivederci. Are we taking one more, Sammy, or what? What's the story here? We give a free concert today, and then on my birthday. Within a year, we're going to sell a Place des Arts. Within three or four years, we're going to sell at the Bell Center. That would be a dream. Mo in Montreal, my last call of the evening. Mo, what's going on? Yes. Not bad, Tony. How are you doing? Very well. 
Dude, I'm watching you right now, and I'm laughing the the thing that you do. I miss the days you used to be on the radio, and I used to hear you on the radio, and you used to just lose it on these people that used to call all the time. It was yeah. the most funny yeah. things I ever heard in my life. Yeah, listen, I I, uh, I, uh, I I loved my time there, too, all 20 years. But, uh, you know, yeah. then I started a podcast. And uh, <laughs> I know, for, uh, I know, anyway, better here. it's much better. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with you 100 percent. What's on your mind, my I, man? I want to talk about Slavkovsky. Um, people need to have patience with him. Take it easy. He's only 18 years old. Yeah. Uh, it, it, to me, when you watch him play, it feels like he's one second too late. He just Everyone else can continue to do their podcast, by the way, because they don't have many views or many sponsors. But me, it was. Uh... Hey, go ahead, please. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So like like I was saying, I, I find he's just one second behind. People need to just give him some time. It's, um, if I had to, uh, to compare it to an uh, analogy that I think I'm a hockey player, right? So when I used to play roller hockey, right, I thought I was a good player. And everything. I'm just trying to compare as into where he's coming from, right? Because he's coming from juniors. So when I used to play uh, on roller hockey, uh, one of my friends told me, he's like, hey, come, there's a league at indoor roller hockey. And I was like, okay, yeah. fine, that's cool. Let's go try it out. So I loved roller play. hockey, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the rink, all the boys are listening. I don't know if anybody. You remember the Roadrunners? Remember the Roadrunners? Oh, my God, yeah. But it's, it's, it's over. It's all in the States now, in France. So Yvan you know. Cournoyer was coaching the team, you remember? Yeah, Guy yeah, Rouleau yeah, yeah. and yeah. Patrice Lefebvre. Remember them? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. I used to go watch the games all the time. I loved it. I thought that Girulo yeah. was amazing. I thought Patrice Lefebvre was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was good times. Anyways, just to go back to my point, just to say that the NHL speed is so fast that us as listeners, when we watch it, we don't realize how fast it is. And we expect these young guys to come up junior right away. They jump on and they could do like magical stuff. Some players can. Some players take too longer for them, right? So that's yeah. why I think with Slavkovsky, we should just give him some time, and he'll just, you know, a couple of years, and he'll he'll be fine. Uh, another thing, Dadonov. If Dadonov is, you're gonna play him on the second line, and he's not gonna do nothing. I'd rather see Slavkovsky there at least. You know what I mean? Give the kid. I hear you. Yeah, you. I hear you. You know, I'm sure a lot of people agree that too. Uh, another thing, Weidman. I can't stand Weidman. I can't. <laughs> Well, listen, 10 years of the National Hockey League, a couple of teams at his age, at age 32, he is who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not your yeah, best he's defense, he's but he's not your worst. He's an NHLer. No, of course. He's, he's, he's at the end of it, right? And then um, the, fall, the the game previously in Buffalo, I'm sure if uh, Kovacevic and uh, Zajac were there, I have a feeling the outcome of that game would have been a bit different. Not so Zajac, Jacki. Zay Jack used to play for the New Jersey Devils. Travis Zay Jack used to be yeah, a centerman. Yeah. Used to do good on the draws. Hey, yeah. Thanks so much for calling. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. It's Thank now time me. to go for the gold. Go for gold. A daily World Cup report. Presented by Bijou Tree Bossy. All right, okay, so uh, yes, uh, Goal for the Gold is brought to you by Bijutri Basi and my friend, of course, Jenny Dioris. I've been going there for a long, long time. That's where I get my jewelry. By the way, got this bracelet there. Absolutely love it. I have several Ferrari watches that I got there. As a matter of fact, about four or five of them 
And Bijuterie Bassi has provided professional service and fine jewelry for over 30 years. Visit the store at 9640 Boulevard St. Michel in Montreal. You can call them at 514-387-9528. As a matter of fact, I went there with the missus last week, and she said, can you clean my rings? And Jenny said, of course I can. Took the rings, went in the back, and about 15 minutes later, she brought them back out, and they looked like absolutely brand new. All right, okay. It was another very eventful day in the World Cup 2022 in Qatar. Germany got off to a great start where they had a penalty that they converted at the 33rd minute. They had a goal by Havertz that was called off um, just before halftime. That would have made it 2-0, but it went to VR. It did not pass. And then, you know, the entire football world was on social media saying, social media saying, wow, Germany's impressive. Guess what? Japan, who lost to Canada in a friendly game before, a couple of days leading up to the World Cup, scored two goals in an eight-minute span. And they upset Germany by a score of two to one. That's right. If you missed it today, Japan upset Germany by a score of two to one. Spain got goals from six different players. Torres had two and a bunch of other players had one. They had ball possession for 82% of the game. Costa Rica only for 18% of the game. And I think Spain completed like made over like 900 passes compared to Costa Rica who had less than 200 it was an incredible domination Spain wins by a score of seven nothing in the other game of Canada's group which is group F Morocco and Croatia what you wanted in this game if you're Canada you either wanted Morocco to upset Croatia or you wanted the game to finish in a tie guess what happened It finished in a tie. And then, of course, you have Belgium versus Canada. And let's bring up Canada's uh, starting lineup if we can. There you have it. It was Hutchinson, Borian, Johnston, Miller, Vittoria, Ustakio, Hoylet, Buchanan, Davies, David, and Larea, all right? And there you have it. That was uh, Canada's lineup with Milan Borian in goal, three center backs, Stephen Victoria with Kamal Miller to his left, and, uh, of course, Alistair Johnston on his right. And, by the way, there's a report from Manuel Veth about an hour ago who says that expect Alistair Johnston, who plays for CF Montreal, to be transferred to Celtic FC in Scotland. He says they're extremely interested, so we'll keep our eye on that. In the middle, Ustakio and Hutchinson were right in front of Victoria. Uh, Junior Hoylet was playing right wing back with Richie Larea at left wing back. In front of them, you had Davies on the left, you had Buchanan on the right, and you had Jonathan David up top. And that was Canada's lineup. And I have to tell you, Canada, for the first 30 minutes, were the aggressor. They were the aggressor. They had a high press, which caused Belgium all kinds of difficulty. Belgium could not find solutions. They could not 
uh, be able to make their way through Canada's high press. It created a lot of turnovers. It created a lot of scoring chances, a lot of crosses, a lot of shots. Belgium blocked a ton of shots in this game. There was a handball that once it went to VAR was determined it was a handball. Canada got a penalty at around the 11-minute mark, and I don't know what the directive was. If there was a chosen shooter, based on what I saw watching through television, I don't think there was. Alfonso Davies wanted to make history for Canada. They've never scored at the World Cup. He went, he picked up the ball. There was no one else who got in his way who said, let me take it, I want to take it. So he decided to take it, and uh, he tried to place it short side. Unfortunately, to beat a goalkeeper like Thibaut Courtois, if he's going to guess the right way, it, it either better be inside the near post it better be hit with a lot of mustard and you better hammer it really hard. Uh, or if not, you, you know, you, you, you maybe go down the middle of the net, but he tries to go short side. When you go short side, of course, you have to, at one point, your range of, when you kick, you don't follow through because you're kind of trying to place the ball instead of trying to blast the ball. If you're going cross corner, you're a left footer, boom, you blast, your hips move, and your leg follows through and you're going in the corner, you got power on it. When you're going to place the ball, you kind of like have to stop as if it would be a golf swing. You would stop your swing. You wouldn't follow through. Well, this, you stop your kick and you don't follow through. Thibaut Courtois is like six foot seven and arguably the best goalkeeper in the world. He made a huge save. And what happens is if that's a goal score, if that's Jonathan David taking that penalty kick, well, Jonathan David, will probably be able to shake it off maybe a little faster and a little sooner because he's used to scoring, he's used to getting stops, and he's used to having scoring chances. But Jonathan David, it looked, uh, pardon me, Alfonso Davies, it looked like being stopped actually threw him off, and then it looked like he wanted to try and do too much to try and make up for it. It was not his best game, but it's okay Canada did very well. If you go back and you take a look at some of the highlights, you'll also notice that um, Tejon Buchanan uh, was brought down. You'll notice that Richie Larea was brought down, and arguably Canada could have had two more penalty kicks. But, I mean, how many times have you seen a team been given two penalty kicks or even three or three penalty kicks or even two penalty kicks in the same game, it didn't happen. And unfortunately for Canada, maybe a little bit naive, Stephen Vittoria was caught out of position, and Kamal Miller gave up an inch or two uh, to Batshuayi, and there's a very direct long ball to Batshuayi, and he gets it on the bounce on the half volley, and he beats Milan Borian. Very opportunistic for him. Belgium goes up by a score of one to nothing right before halftime. And Canada tries, and they battle in the second half. But unfortunately, they can't get a goal. Uh, I, I thought it was a terrific effort. Listen, we all wanted Canada to win, or most of us did. But this is what I think is very important. Belgium is known as a world powerhouse. Canada, until they do something at the World Cup, they're not going to be known as a powerhouse. They're known as a team that won CONCACAF, and let's see what they can do. Canada went into this game with no complex whatsoever. They not only hung with Belgium, 
they not only showed that they can compete with Belgium, they actually dominated Belgium for the first 30 minutes. But unfortunately, the result was a loss. But in my opinion, today was a win for Soccer Canada and for Soccer in Canada. And losing one nothing to Belgium, we can hold our heads high. We played very well. It's a very respectable scoreline. And it's not a bad loss. It's one nothing. That's it. And now you play Croatia on Sunday. If you beat them, you're in a great spot as the first two go through. And if you tie them, you're still in another great spot because you'll play Morocco in your final game of the group. Belgium, for the longest time, has been ranked as a top three or four team in the world. We were all over them for the first 30, 35 minutes of the game. This is a lot to be proud of. Can we bring up tomorrow's games? Do we have them in yellow and Sammy back in master control? There you have it. It all gets started at 5 a.m. Eastern with Switzerland versus Cameroon. At 8 a.m., it's Uruguay versus Korea Republic. At 11 a.m., Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal versus Ghana. And one of the teams we've all been waiting for is the great Brazil. will play tomorrow afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern, as they take on Serbia. Looking forward to all these games and looking forward to Canada again on Sunday. And once again, go for gold, presented by Bijouterie Bassi. To you, my sick army, I say thank you for being with me tonight on the day of my 50th birthday. And happy birthday as well to Saku Koivu, who celebrated birthday number 48 today for Saku. There's no one I'd rather share my birthday with than all of you and most of you who have supported me for the last 20 years, supported me on radio, English radio, supporting me now on French radio, supporting me on French television, and supporting me on this podcast. This is my journey. I'm happy you're along for the ride. For Sammy and Agnello and Master Control, I'm Marinero. Canadians win 3-1. They play the Blackhawks Friday afternoon in Chicago. And maybe, just maybe, we'll bring you two podcasts on that day. One after the game and the other usual one at 10 p.m. Until then, we'll be back tomorrow night, Thursday night, same time, same place. Follow us live on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter. Leave us a like. Tell your friends about us. And leave us a five-star review on Google, Spotify, and Apple. Thanks for watching. Tell your friends about it. Say that host and that podcast. It's pretty sick. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.